in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. The NFL is expected to try and get John Gruden's lawsuit dismissed. Uh, They are replying to his lawsuit this week. John Gruden, he is suing the NFL because he resigned after his emails were leaked and he is blaming the NFL for purposefully leaking those emails to get him fired or to resign, but the NFL is trying to get it dismissed. Um, What I thought was interesting from the story in The Athletic Gruden has no evidence, at least that he has disclosed, that the league was behind the leaks. The league has denied leaking the emails. I I think like most people kind of assume someone within the NFL leaked those John Gruden emails, right? That I think makes so. sense. But, but it does seem like John Gruden's going to have to prove that if he's going to have any yeah. chance of winning a case here. I mean, he's going to have to have a whistleblower, right? He's going to have to have someone on the inside go against the league and say something. Because if not, what's the evidence he has? Right. I, I don't... I mean, I don't know exactly how this works, and we'll ask Sam and Ash later, but I don't think you can just walk in and say, well, uh, probably they leak these emails, but I can't prove no, it, so exactly. make them pay me. Like, I I can't imagine that works. Doesn't he also have to prove, like, they leaked it maliciously? Right, and that's the other yes. part. That's yeah. the other part. The story yeah. in The Athletic, they talked to a lawyer, and they were like, the other, they, they're basically saying, like, John Gruden's not denying he said anything in the emails. He's not saying those weren't his emails or those weren't his words. So at the end of the day, this probably comes back to even if they did leak them, so what? You didn't get fired because the emails were leaked. You got fired because of what you said in the email. And I don't think the league would even accept arbitration. I think they'd like, well, let's go to court and prove it. Yeah, you, that's, go, ahead, you go ahead and prove it and show us the evidence I, that we leaked this stuff. I'm sure Jerry Jones makes all the other owners. All right, let's get a legal defense fund ready because at some point, Somebody's going to sue us <laughs> at some point every month. Probably. Just literally Dan Schneider's just constantly texting. Can I have more money for the le- from the legal defense fund? The cheerleaders are suing me now. That's crafty wording right uh, there. I get uh, excited. Hey, you won an award for his crafty words, <laughs> right? The NFT of Antonio Brown leaving the field shirtless sold for roughly $20,000. If you remember... I think it was a TMZ story said that it was expected to sell for $1.5 million. Came up, came up short. Didn't quite get to 1.5 million. It sold for 20,000. Now you have enough invested in chickens and horses. Are you the ones who bought this? No. Sure. Yeah. All right. You got a lot invested. You've made a lot of money. Here's the thing. I don't comprehend why somebody would want to buy this NFT. I don't comprehend why anyone buys chickens. So I they can't. race each because other. Because you <laughs> can race each make other. small profits off the actual racing, which to me makes a, like a hell of a lot more sense than I now am the exclusive owner of something that if you type into Google will pop up and you can download on your phone. Yeah. But I own the original. There's, huh? I mean, it's like artwork. You can down. You can print off a picture of the Mona Lisa. Doesn't mean you own the mm. Mona Lisa. But the reason I don't understand this one is because the NFT was the original cell phone video taken from some fan in the stands. That's not the only video of this event. It was on television. It was on television. Right? Like yeah. this, there's a CBS yes, camera. There's crew a CBS feed. That we 
that exists. It's like if this was a one, like if this was an event where there was only one camera angle, right? Just one random guy was on a cell phone and got this recorded and like it, TV didn't have it. Then I could maybe understand the value of it, but because it, because it was on TV, because there's multiple camera angles, I don't quite understand why this Burn would have any money. value. So 20,000 is still a lot for a random video of Antonio yeah. Brown, but uh, the $1.5 million price tag was not met. What do you think? The Jamaican bobsled team qualified for the 2022 Olympics. Is there a movie I'm supposed to have watched about this? Uh, yes. Okay. So I'm going to tell you something. Uh, this is going to be amazing to you, but, and this is kind of a movie. Was it a Disney movie? Yes. Okay. Cool I've, never seen, I've never seen this movie either. Hey. So we're, we're one and the same in this one. Jared? Have you seen it, Jared? Yes. I've what happens? It. I imagine the Jamaican bobsled team makes the Olympics. <laughs> is there yes. the Olympics? Yes. They they basically, they don't make the summer. It's a bunch of guys don't make the summer Olympic team. And so they try to make the winter Olympic team as a bobsled team. And John Candy in it is in it. And it's, it's really good. And then in the real story, they retire and they sell beer in uh, Jamaica. Oh, it's a real story? It's based on a real story? Yeah. So this is not the first time the Jamaican bobsled team has been to the Olympics? No, but it's also the Jamaican bobsled team. But I'd assume every time this comes up, the movie's the first thing people talk about. Right, because they made a movie about the Jamaican <laughs> bobsled team. Where do they practice? On the beach in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. Carlos Correa has signed with Scott Boris. He said yesterday, I've made the decision to hire Boris Corporation to represent me moving forward. Boris Corporation offers the highest level of baseball expertise and proven experience. The interesting part about Carlos Correa, his old agency uh, is possibly going to lose its certification with the MLB Players Association. Because they own minor league teams, and I believe they're in a lawsuit with Major League Baseball at the moment. So, Carlos Correa, uh, once the lockout's over, is going to be the biggest name free agent. Uh, signing with so Scott Boris the biggest agent. is the biggest name agent that's out there. But I do think a lot of this might simply be that his other agency is potentially not <laughs> going to be a recognized agency very shortly. Uh, but we'll see if that changes anything. I don't think it does. I think Carlos Correa... But there's still only, what three to four teams this guy could go to right i don't think it doesn't really change no, the amount of teams they're going to no. want or can carlos correa want to pay him that much. right and can afford carlos yeah. correa so i don't think it changes too much no. on that front i think it was going to be a massive contract for correa either way and like you said there's only a few teams that are really even in the running for carlos agents correa. can't even behind the scenes talk to teams right I mean, can Scott Boris call the answer to that question? The Dodgers and say, "Hey, you know, wink, wink here. Um, you know, I know you guys aren't doing anything, but is there going to be any interest when this thing ends?" I don't know the answer to that. I, can agents talk to teams? They're not. They're not. A, they have nothing. No, they're not. They're not in the players' association, but they're representing people in the players' yeah. association. I don't. I mean, know. I think a lot of stuff happens behind the scenes we don't know about. Right. I'm sure he knows people in the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Cubs or the three teams this guy could go to that he could actually call and say, what do you think? Are you going to be interested so I can write something up? Yeah. I don't know if agents can or not. That's an interesting question. I assume they are, even if they're not supposed to be. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm Googling it. 
I'll, if I find anything, I'll let you know. <laughs> Happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. All right. This was a headline in The Athletic. All signs point to Mason Rudolph as Steelers' next starting quarterback. Whoa! They do? Why? Mike Tomlin right now telling the owner, come on, if they give you two picks, I'm gone. Two right? number one picks, I'm headed to Vegas. Go give me number four. I'm not dealing with Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph has 10 career starts. He's thrown 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. I have a hard time imagining the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to say, you know what, Mason Rudolph, yeah. that's our guy. I just have a hard time seeing that. When there could, A, be a bunch of like, there could be some good quarterbacks, like really good quarterbacks available. There could be some middle-tier quarterbacks, like a Derek Carr type guy. Hell, even Jimmy Garoppolo might be available. And then you could draft someone. Like, I just, well, I don't know. In, I, at best, wouldn't he be a bridge if you draft someone, just play him for a year and then get somebody ready? Maybe. I guess, but even then, I think I'd rather just play <laughs> the draft pick, the rookie over Mason Rudolph. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I can't. I know that would mess with Tomlin's playoff streak. Yeah, I know. I just can't. He won't be five hundred next year if they start Mason Rudolph. I just can't imagine the Steelers starting Mason Rudolph unless they were deciding to go into some sort of rebuild mode. But they're it's the Steelers. They, I, I highly doubt they're going to go into an intentional rebuild mode here. So I just. I don't understand uh, Mason Rudolph. All signs point to Mason Rudolph being the starting quarterback. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Next question. Las uh, Vegas lights are hiring a new mascot. You can be cash. Casher? Well, cash still exists. Just what? the guy in the mask. So the costume. new casher? There's a new casher? Yeah. You want to be cash? No, I want to write a column that I have to say I'm enjoying being the new cash. Cash said. <laughs> I want to quote Cash and just name him Cash instead of Phil Jones, who's the oh, new Cash. Soccer Rocker said. Soccer Rocker. Yes. yes. Cash the Soccer Rocker. So yes. just by last name. Soccer Rocker. The Soccer Rocker or Soccer Rocker? I assume V's the middle name. Yeah, that's a good Would point. you do this for one game if they paid you? Uh, Paid? But, I mean, nah. Look, make me wear, like, just change the cape to say press box on the back. <laughs> It's really probably sweaty and gross in there. Yeah. How, 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 much that thing, how much has that thing been cleaned? Oh, it's got to be gross. It's got to be gross in there. Oh, would I? Yeah, I'd probably do it for one game. If they paid you. Or yeah. you wouldn't even care. No, let's let's pay me or something. Okay. Like Jared said, we'll put our logo on the cape okay. or something like that. Right. I, yeah, I'd probably do it for one okay. game. Can I get like a... We have a logo? Can I get like a April game or like an October game? I need. I don't. I don't want the. I don't want the July. 3rd no, you don't game. want the heat games. No, give me yeah. like April or October. October, okay. Early mm-hmm. season, late season. I just want to dual wield t-shirt guns and just start firing at yeah. little kids. Do you think they can afford t-shirt guns? No, I'm, I'll, I'll build my own. <laughs> they'll, they'll be a little, little, little uh, higher power. You know what the scary part is? Oh wait, he doesn't drive anymore. The scary part used to like his cash is on the back of a motorcycle. To start the game, like he comes riding it. Yeah, on he the comes motorcycle. in. He comes riding in. Yeah, he rides it. He doesn't have to drive it. If he drove it, there might be problems. Would you do that? Didn't right. he used I'd to ride on the stand back. up? Uh, I think that's Hey Reb used to do that. Okay, because Hey Reb used to come in on a motorcycle too. Um, what yeah, is I with would mascots in this town and motorcycles. I would absolutely ride on the back with somebody else driving the motorcycle. If you're telling me I have to drive the motorcycle right. while wearing a damn mascot yeah. costume, uh, I don't think I'd do it if I was just. In normal clothes, I wouldn't trust myself. I'd take out four players. 
they'd, they'd, they'd be they'd be like short players that game. <laughs> okay, from what I've found, the there will be there can be no transactions done except you can still possibly trade people and non-major leaguers. No, like you can trade major leaguers because apparently Dave Winfield once got traded during the last work stoppage for a dinner. <laughs> that sounds illegal. That sounds like salary no, cap because, circumvention. Well, no, remember you can trade players for cash in baseball. Okay. There is no salary cap, but um, you can sign p- players and trade anyone who's on the non 40 man roster. Right. So, I mean, I guess if. Carlos Correa like renounces like I don't know I have learned very little well no he's not on anybody's 40-man roster he's just a free agent so then so like so nobody could Scott, trade him right but so then because he's not on a 40-man roster I think Scott Boris can talk to the team oh okay. well, he's talking good three work, or four teams Jerry. good work coming yeah. up next the best press conference of the week comes from Edmonton as Sherman misses an off-balance shot for West Virginia. Up the floor in a hurry. The assist, Flagler to Chachua, who dunks it. You're in the press box with Tyler Bischoff and NSMA Nevada Sports Writer of the Year, Ed Graney. Ed's already shaking his head every time that plays. Uh, uh, let's go. <laughs> I can't believe we got, he got, uh, we, got we got about four more of those coming. I can't believe you got him to say that that fast. <laughs> Quick turnaround time. Yeah. Great, Quickest great, turnaround time job. we've ever had on Absolutely. Uh, I When he was in, where were you in that I was like live from a Marriott? <laughs> yes, in some obscure <laughs> off, city. Off the, ni- off the 406. <laughs> All right. Do we have the best audio of the week from hockey? Yes, uh, we do. This is uh, courtesy of the Edmonton Oilers press conference. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl is the player, and he is being asked questions by Jim Matheson. Lots of reasons for why the owners are playing the way they are in terms of winning and losing. What do you think is the number one reason for the losses now? Is there, is there one thing that you, in your own mind you're saying, we got to get better at that? Yeah, we, ha- we have to get better at everything. Would you like to expand on that? No. Nope. You can do that. You know everything. Why are you so pissy, Leon? Hmm? Why are you so pissy? I'm not. I'm just I'm, answering your question. Yeah, you are. Whenever I ask you a question. I gave you an answer. Not a very good one. Okay. I have one more for you. Leon, you showed your frustration on the ice last game against Ottawa. Is that a good thing when you show it so the other team knows you're frustrated? Yeah, it's a great thing, for sure. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Before the last question, the PR guy try, PR tried to man or woman, I don't know because I couldn't really make out, but uh, uh, tried to wrap it up, and then Matheson gets in one more question. No, I have a, I have another question. <laughs> yeah. Why are you so pissy? Oh. <laughs> Jared's right. It would be funny around here. What I, a phrase. It would be funny. I mean, the only person with the clout to do it. Baddest sports writer of the year. There we go. Just show up at press conference and start asking why people are pissing. Yeah. Oh, why are you so pissy? Hunter in for like the nice guy in the world, the best interview on the team. Hunter, why are you so pissy? I don't, I'm assuming 
there is some context we're unaware of that Jim Matheson wrote something because oh, I don't assume he wrote something about about Leon and the Oilers for probably for a long time. That was a pretty tame first question, right? When he says, yeah. "Hey, things are going yeah. bad," you know, if there's one thing that sticks out, what is it? And he's like, "Oh, it's everything." And then, would you expand on it? No, you know everything. So right. I'm assuming. There's some context behind the scenes, of, or not Absolutely. behind the scenes, probably that Jim Matheson wrote something. And probably not just one thing. Right. Who sort of set that up. Who was this directed at? Doesn't matter what I say, Mike. You're going to write fucking every time. No, so it doesn't matter what you say. I do not remember. I remember. That was great, too. What? With hockey media? Uh, was that Canada also? Uh, I don't remember. Because all I... I Basically, I, I only took the good bit from it where he goes, well, except, no, I think I cut I mean, out the part where he's a weasel. <laughs> wouldn't you? I mean, I would think Canadian media. That was in media. Philly. Oh, okay. oh, okay. That was Jake Forsek to the Philly Inquirer's Mike Seleski. Okay. So that was Philly. I was going to say, I think in, I mean, I have to imagine in terms of columns and opinion in Canada with hockey, it gets pretty brutal. And it's got to be brutal for the Oilers. The oh, yeah. way it's been because, for them, yeah. Because you're talking about got the best player in the league, and they they cannot make the playoffs with the right. best player in the league. Like they suck year after year, and this year they early in the year looked good. They actually like, looked oh, really good in the beginning of the year. The Oilers got it put together, and now I mean, are they even going to make the playoffs? Not right now. Like they're not good. So yeah, it's probably in all seriousness. No, I mean they're it's, they're way behind. It's probably well deserved. Yeah. Oh, good God. They're, they're in behind. second. I mean, they've played five less games than some teams, but they're second to last in total points yeah. right now. Like it's only the Seattle Kraken that are below them. That's pretty bad. But like, so it's it's they've it's lost, probably they've lost six deserved. straight. I don't know what Jim Matheson wrote, but it's probably deserved. I mean, if you're the Edmonton yeah. Oilers and you suck with Connor McDavid and you suck in this division, like we've been sitting here for six, seven months now since it was like, oh, the NHL is going back to the normal divisions. We've been sitting here for six, seven months being like, ah, this division's terrible. Yeah. Nobody's good in this division. If you're if you're the Oilers and anybody but the Golden Knights is ahead of you, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Like, Best you, player in the world. Like, you can't figure out how to be better than the Kings? The Ducks? What's happening there? They should trade for a goalie. They probably should. Their goaltending sucks. And there's one <laughs> with the Blackhawks. They should. It'd be fun. Jim Matheson is a hockey Hall of Fame writer, and he's from Canada, and he's writing about hockey. So my guess is the pissy remark is fine with him, and he has no problem being the guy that asks yeah. it. Pissy remark. Why are you so? <laughs> the the best part is if the Oilers are like, we will no longer credential him, and Twitter going, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Why are you so pissed? I love the PR guy in the background. Uh, let's break it. Okay, we're done. It's like, no, I got one more question. I'm scared of both of the people talking. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know whose side to take here, even though I'm the PR director of the Edmonton Oilers. By the way, what happened to Golden Knights fans? You're telling me oh. Jonathan Marcheseau couldn't win the vote for last man into the All-Star And it game? wasn't for lack of marketing. Yeah. Because every time I turned on Twitter or the TV or anything, they were saying how Marcheseau was the going into the last man. Saying, I thought with Golden Knights fans, and by the way, you could everyone could vote 10 times. Yeah. You didn't even have to vote once. You could vote 10 times. I'm like, this is a runaway. He's It's playing in Vegas. It's his home, you know, it's his home rink and everything. I go, bah, right, absolutely runaway. 
yesterday the guy from the Ducks? They from have that Anaheim? many fans? That's the thing. Yeah. It's not like, oh, yeah, Edmonton, Canada, they love their hockey. Right. They just logged on. And they lost to Anaheim. What? I wish I, I knew who that guy was. Me too. <laughs> I, I mean, sound like I'm like, who's that guy? <laughs> I, sw- I did. Did you? Yeah. The first time I saw his name, and he's from the Ducks, I'm like, oh, I don't know who that person the is. The Royals one time got their entire starting infield into the All-Star yeah. game, and some of them were batting sub-200 just because they went, wait, we can vote on Twitter? Oh, we yeah. are going to screw this up for, I was the, shocked for Major League Baseball. Because, look... Well, they must have a better one than I thought because they voted this guy in. In terms of like comparing fan bases, like I didn't even think it was in the same like stratosphere. I thought the I Ducks like, would have been when one of the last ones. I mean, the whole Orange the County Division. thing and the kickback Orange County. And you've got, I, I if you would have told me, I don't know, would it have been like you said, someone like Edmonton? They're completely out of their minds. You know, Calgary, some Canadian player, someone from a Canadian team is like, all right, you know, they got on there like Tyler said and. Logged in a thousand, hundred thousand votes for the guy, but when it was Anaheim, and a name we both said, I don't know who that person is. I was like, "What?" Oh, Troy Terry is the guy for Anaheim that is having the most uncharacteristic breakout year you've like okay. ever seen. He has twenty-two goals and fourteen assists in thirty-eight games this year. Okay, his previous three years combined, he had scored fifteen goals. I go back to the fan base. <laughs> Like, I'm disappointed in the Golden Knights fans. They talked about it on the broadcast. They tweeted it like 10 times a day. They had uh, the sideline reporter, she she was saying how, like, you can vote 10 times a day. Let's go vote, vote, vote. He's at his home rink, and supposedly they have, like, the best fans in hockey, and they couldn't get this guy in as the last man. Come on, Golden Knights fan base. It's a home game for the All-Star game. I didn't even know Anaheim had fans since the Mighty Duck days. Right? Man. Ridiculous fan base. Unbelievable. That was bad. Marshall's going to get in somehow, right? Somebody's going to have an injury. Well, someone might get hurt. Somebody get hurt. Are they actually going to do the All-Star game? Uh, they sent out credential requests. I know. Like, like it's, I know it's going to happen here, but we're really going to do an All-Star game. And they're going to do a Pro Bowl. Like in the middle of a season where they've got like, what? Calgary's played like seven less games than the Golden Knights or something right now. Edmonton, six less games, five less games. They're, they've postponed a whole bunch of games. We're really going to do an all-star game. We're really going to have every team have at least one player fly into the same city, spend a weekend together, and then leave? Yeah. That's stupid, right? I'm not... No, you're not No, That's you're not dumb. Wrong. That's like the dumbest wrong. thing you could do in you the You should be worried more about the schedule during the Olympic break and getting all these games in. Right. Like, and we're going to do the Pro Bowl, too? That also seems done. Although, granted, those players don't have a season, so I guess you're not going to risk missing games right. after that. But uh, it just seems it seems very dumb to have All Star games when you're struggling to get in the actual games of the regular season. Just seems stupid. I got nothing. I, I 100% agree, except for the fact that hey, you're uh, aren't you immune for 90 days? And half the Canadian teams have already gotten yeah, it. That's an, the, with the Canadian teams, and you're bringing guys in from those teams, but people can't go there or come out to play them. And they're postponing all these games, but you're going to say that's okay. Bring in the bring in all the Canadian bring in all the players from Canadian teams. They should bring all the teams to Vegas for the weekend and like knock out like four games, <laughs> just starting non-stop. at eight a.m. Yeah, just nonstop Stop at games. T-Mobile Arena. Just let's yeah. go. We got to make when up does all the these games. Dollar Loan Center Center open. 
next Ooh, year? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, you could just, if the ice is in. Start playing. Just start playing Absolutely. there. You could have a couple at City National, one at the Orleans. Yeah. That'd be better than the All-Star game. Bring all oh, the Canadian teams here for a weekend. Great. Let's go. We're playing back to back to back. All right. Coming up next, Jason Fitz joins the show. Clock ticks inside a five. Takes the snap. The season. Intercepted. Intercepted. The Bengals have ended a 30-year drought. The curse of Bo Jackson comes to an end as Jermaine Pratt makes the interception. This is the Press Box with Tyler Bischoff and NSMA Nevada Sports Writer of the Year, Ed Graney. Joining us now from ESPN is Jason Fitz. Jason, how you feeling? Four days later. You know what? Uh, here's the thing. The Raiders were outplayed throughout most of that game, and I had accepted defeat long before the final play, but the final play was still a big kick in the great nuts. Like, there's just no way about it. Like, the, this team all year found a way to make ugly games interesting, and that's exactly what they did to a really talented Bengals team. And I sat there in the fourth quarter saying, holy you-know-what, are we actually going to find a way to pull this thing out? And I've become so used to the walk-off working this year that I was sitting there thinking, my God, first and goal, the Raiders are about to force overtime, win this football game somehow. So the end, obviously, uh, was a gut punch. But still, to, if you had written down everything this team went through, gave it to all of us in August and said, by the way, they're still going to win 10 games and go to the playoffs, you just slapped me in my face and said I was crazy. So still a successful season, and I'm still happy and proud to be a Raiders fan with the effort that went through on Sunday. Let's get to that first and goal, and, clo- and just get to that first and goal and clocking the ball. What do you think? Uh, this is bad. I mean, that's just bad and, and rare for Carr, who has been so good in clutch. And one thing that Carr does, and this is, you know, I'm not trying to light up Twitter or your phone lines, but uh, there's one thing that Carr does that I think is very Gannon-esque in the two-minute warning, and it's that he's very calm. Like nothing ever seems panicked. And time is never really the issue. So I thought clocking the ball there was a, was just a bad idea. It was, a, it was everything as par for the course for the entire year. Once we got inside the red zone, everybody seemed to forget how to football. I like how you say Gannon-esque because we had the Derek Carr versus Rich Gannon sub-tweeting and sub-post-game interviewing each other this season. I like that battle. Yeah, I, I mean, but at the end of the day, there's no real, like, this is still, this is like my conference is better than your conference. It's the equivalent of my dad could be up your dad. Like, we're never really going to know which one. Like, I mean, if they got in the ring, I put my money on car in the ring because I think he's in a little better shape right now in life. But, you know, Gannon, obviously a more meaningful quarterback for an entire generation. Nobody's going to win this battle. They're just going to yap at each other like, like I do at a bar when I've had too much to drink and I know that i got a Golic standing next to me to get my back. <laughs> <laughs> you just gonna talk smack to people and look at Golik and say you take care of this? I mean, I'm a fiddle player. Well, I've been doing that my whole <laughs> life. Usually, it used to be the drummer. Now, you know, it's a it's a fiddle player. There was a a time when a friend of mine that uh, was an offensive lineman for many years in the league when I was in my 20s, he looked at me and said, "I'm gonna stop going out with you if you don't stop getting yourself in trouble." I mean, that, that, <laughs> that, you gotta live that chapter, man. All right, uh, Jason Fitz with us from ESPN. Do you trust? that Mark Davis can make a good general manager and head coach hire? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Yes and no. I I think that's a really tough question. I'm not trying to skirt it, but here's the thing. I trust that Mark Davis will do whatever it takes to get it right, and I trust Mark Davis will spend whatever it takes to get it right. Will he spend smart money? 
I don't know. But you can look back all the way at this and say, okay, look at Mark with the WNBA. And I use the Aces as an example because they certainly are coming off of a, a WNBA finals appearance. They did not need a new coach, right? But they went out and gave Becky Hammond the richest contract in WNBA coaching history. Why? Because Mark understands that he wants a big name and he wants a big name coach that he can trust to come in there. And that also is sort of going to be the billboard. So, you know, is Mark going to spend whatever it takes? Yeah, he was fearless in going out to get John Gruden. Nobody thought he could do it. Now, I didn't love the Gruden hire from the get-go uh, for, for other reasons. Uh, you know, for football reasons, I didn't love the Gruden hire. And I think they gave too much power to Gruden from the outset. But I also understand what their logic was. What I want to see Mark Davis do now is follow proper protocol in the way you build the right team. And, and to me, if you're going to fire your GM, what you just told me is that you're going to hire a GM that will then have the right to make whatever decisions they want. So if that, if that GM wants to come in and hire a coach none of us have ever heard of, great. But you can't come in and tell me that you're going to hamstring the GM with a particular coach from day one because now you have this whole, whole he said, she said, like, it's their fault. I never had my guy here. Like, if we're going to do this, then we need to do it the right way, which means let your GM pick your coach, let the GM and the coach together pick a quarterback, and let everybody decide so that everybody can't point their finger at each other like a bad Spider-Man meme after five years. Totally agree with you. I think it should be more of a you know a, a, a model as though the coach is the CEO in the field and the GM's off the field. So if you need something, you tell the GM and he goes and gets it. You know, player-wise. But ask you this today, Jim Harbaugh says I'm coming. I'm getting Gruden power. Do you take it because it's Jim Harbaugh? Uh, well, if I ran the Raiders, no. I mean, if, if I if I ran the Raiders, this is very clear to me. Like Rich Bisaccia did everything as somebody can do to earn the opportunity to run it back. And the players love him. So, frankly, if I ran the Raiders, I'd have him run it back and see what he can actually do in a normal season. Uh, the, the problem I have with Harbaugh in general is that he tends to wear out his welcome wherever he goes. I don't have a problem with the fact that he doesn't have a national championship in, in Michigan. I think that's particularly difficult to do. But I also do have a bit of a problem with the way his players developed at Michigan. I mean, if we're going to talk about coaching and the way they make people better – and you got to ask yourself how many prospects left Michigan substantially better than they were than the day they came in. I think that's been a knock on, on Harbaugh. Harbaugh's a good a game day coach, but I'm not sure he's a great developer of talent. So now you're putting more pressure on your coaching or on your uh, front office to be able to identify talent quickly out of the gate. So, you know, if, if he's asking for it, I think if that's the real pitch that goes to Mark Davis, I wouldn't take it. I think Mark Davis will because – through all of this, as I keep saying over and over and over again, when you're battling the strip and you're, you're trying to make roots in Las Vegas, you got to have somebody that the city of Vegas is going to be pumped for. Is the city of Vegas excited and willing to drop everything to have conversations every day about Rich Bisacci and Derek Carr? I don't know. Would they be excited to have those same conversations about Jim Harbaugh? Harbaugh brings attention wherever he goes. I mean, that, that is, that's fact. Harbaugh brings national media attention wherever he goes. And I can tell you this. A Harbaugh-led Raiders team will have more national TV games and be more talked about nationally on ESPN than a Versace-led team unless that team goes out and wins a bunch of games. So if you care about attention, it's not what would rule me, but I can see where Mark's coming from. Would you rather have Jim Harbaugh or Rich Basaccia as your backup guy at the bar in case you talk too much trash to somebody? No, definitely Bisacci because Bisacci is going to like, he's going to bring the situation down. Like Bisacci is going to, by the end of it, we're all hugging each other and we're friends. Harbaugh is not like, we're walking into a battle with Harbaugh. And I have a sneaky suspicion that once Harbaugh realizes that the bar's all battling my ass kick, 
he's just gonna like he's gonna Irish ghost me. Just like get out. Like I'm not even gonna know when Harbaugh <laughs> left the fight. I'm just gonna know I got abandoned. Do you see Bisaccia because he loves the notes, putting down notes as to how he's gonna kick someone's butt. He's gonna write notes first. He's yeah. writing notes first That's because right. he comes in with notes. Bisaccia all the time. is just gonna. He's you know right before the fight happens, he'll hand everybody a note. Yes. Read it, get a little sentimental, yes. teary, and then all of a sudden, bam, we're hugging. Darn right. Oh. Handwritten letters to break up the fight. That's the key from Rich Bisaccia. Yeah. Oh. Would you, Jason, would you want a handwritten letter from your coach or would you prefer just like a text? I think a handwritten letter in today's world just has meaning. You know, I, I genuinely believe that. And, you know, Mike Golick Jr., uh, his close friend, he still buys cards every year and he sends cards randomly to people all the time. And when you get a card in the mail, you look at it and you're like, man, that, that, that took some time. That took some thought. Like, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. And a little stunned to hear Crosby say, on the Rich Eisen show that that happens every week that Bisaccia leaves notes in everybody's locker every week. It just, it shows a level of compassion and care for everybody in that locker room. And, and I don't know, I, I, I never want to hamstring a new coach. I, I just, like I said, you can't hamstring a GM, but my God, if they end up bringing somebody else in, they'd be stupid not to at least offer whatever it would take to keep Bisaccia as a special teams coach and give him a higher title of, like, an assistant head coach or whatever it would be. Pay the man and let him stay around the environment if he's willing to stay because, my God, he has done good work. And, and again, I'll say it loudly, if Rich Versace is the head coach of the Raiders next year, I have no problem with it. Uh, wouldn't you think, though, if he's going a regular model and doing a GM, the interview today with Versace is more courtesy? Yes, 100%. I mean, I think that's what we found out with the GM because – Otherwise, they, all of this is pointless. And, you know, I, I'll tell everybody to, you know, I'm going to throw my employer under the bus. If you go back and, and look at ESPN.com every year, every year we rank the coaching hires. The number of times we're flat out bad wrong. I mean, not just close, like we're wrong, wrong. The year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl, we had Doug Peterson that year listed as the worst of the head coaching hires. And he was the only one that had been hired in his class that still had a job at that point. And I just remind everybody that because, like, this entire coaching process is an absolute crapshoot. So maybe, yeah, if you want to stop at a gas station on the way home and buy a lottery ticket, you might win. So cool. If you can afford it and want to do it, go buy yourself a lottery ticket. But if you think that lottery ticket is going to pay your mortgage this month, you've got another thing coming. And most of the hiring, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Robert Sala was supposed to be the steal of the hiring cycle for the Jets, and he was going to turn everything around. And by November, Greeny was sitting here saying on national radio that he'd praised the hire, was sitting there saying that Salah should be gone and that he wished he had Dan Campbell as his coach. Like, So we have no idea what's happening in these coaching cycles, but anything that happens before they hire a GM is just fool's gold. Important question for you. You get a card or a handwritten letter. What do you do with it? How quickly do you throw it away? Oh, uh, like it takes roughly 15 seconds after I read it. So, like, I am... I am the anti-hoarder. I'm the person that, like, never – my, my parents were sort of borderline hoarders. So, like, I am the person that the minute I get it, like, you send me a Christmas card, I read it as I'm throwing it in the trash. Like, it's one, <laughs> one motion where it's like, oh, that was really sentimental. Thank you. I'll shoot you a text afterwards. Like, that's as far as it goes. And, and like, also, you got to have that Gojo money in the bank to start buying these cards because I don't know if you've noticed lately, but – Cards have gotten really expensive. So I hope Bisaccia got like a deal from somebody that's getting them the stock paper, saving a little cash. Cause like you start spending five bucks on a card. And I'm like, I could have gotten you a present for that. Cause I'm cheap. Well, he is Jason Fitz. Don't send him a card or he'll throw it away after two seconds of feeling sentimental. Thanks, Jason. Thanks buddy. <laughs> Thanks guys. Have a great Take week. Care. Listen, I'm with Jason. Don't send me a card or a handwritten letter. 
that I'm kind of like, uh, uh, do I keep it? I throw it away. The it Christmas feels bad cards? to throw it away. Yeah. We uh, tape them up to the wall. Right. And then afterwards, you throw them away. Yes. Right. But I'm saying, like, if you just got a card, somebody sent like, you, hey, like, a handwritten Ed, card. Hey, Ed, do you want to go do what's happening? Just No, just like a nice card, like for your birthday or something. Like a nice from somebody. From non-family members. Yeah, or from family members. I don't care. My girlfriend gives me a birthday card every year, and I feel bad because I'm like, I don't want this anymore. I'm going to throw it away, but I feel bad if I throw it away because she got me a card and wrote in it. Right. Right. You throwing it away or you keeping it? Throwing it away. Yeah, my girlfriend keeps all of them. Really? Like cards she gets, she keeps them all. Do you get her a card? Yeah, because she likes that, but cards are stupid. <laughs> Is there anything more outdated than like a, a card to just write happy birthday in? I can text you. You don't even have to write happy birthday because on the outside of the card it says it happy says it birthday. already, right? It already says. I can just text you happy birthday or call you or send you a Twitter DM or a Facebook. Like there's 700 better ways I can tell you happy birthday than with a handwritten card. It's pointless, but she keeps them all. And I feel bad throw them away because I know she likes those things, but I don't want it anymore. What Where am I supposed put to it? do with it? I throw them away eventually, but like I kind of put it on like my nightstand for like week or two and then hopefully it's forgotten about and i sneak it in the trash be like oh yeah birthday cards yay Woo. it's gone now does she listen to this show <laughs> sometimes okay coming up next don't send me a birthday card now jet across the midcourt strike flagler to the free throw line underneath to chachua who'll dunk it and what that, a play oh that is seven assists on the day for adam flagler Back to the Press Box with Tyler Bischoff and NSMA Nevada Sports Writer of the Year, Ed Graney. We getting Jonathan Chamwachachua highlights? Yeah, that's the second one. Man, Baylor, they're pretty good. Uh, did you see TJ Altsberger got stomped by Texas Tech I watched yesterday? watched a lot of it. Yeah, I watched a lot of it. Yeah. Caleb Grill had like 17 points yeah. or something. Kid wasn't very good at UNLV last year. Can you imagine being in the Big 12? And just every game you're preparing for is like a top 10 team. <laughs> TJ, it wasn't like this at UNLV. There you go. So Iowa State has played six Big 12 games. These are the Ken Palm ranks of their opponents. Two, God, 14, 32, 7, 17, 14. Yeah. Every game. <laughs> every game you're playing like a top 12 team. <laughs> Amazing. So they have played... All of their uh, all of their conference games have been against top forty teams. UNLV has played. Uh, let's see, is it one? <laughs> one, two, two top forty teams this year: Michigan, UCLA. Wow. Oh no, San Diego State snuck into the top forty. So make so it three. three, three teams. Look at that big season. And Colorado State will be the next one here for UNLV. Um, here's a. Well, I don't know if it's a fun story. Here's a story that's going to be interesting over in soccer in Europe. Uh, the FA is looking into yellow cards shown to Arsenal player over suspicious betting patterns. Ooh. There was a large amount of money placed on a certain player to get a yellow card in a specific game. And they're now looking into this to see if it was fixed. Wow. Now, let me ask you this. If you were going to place a large bet on a, you were going to bet Certain player is going to get a yellow card. Would you go to the referee or to the player to fix that bet? I'd go to the... Oh, it's a tough one. I'd go to the player because doesn't the action have to take place for the referee to call it? Mm. I mean... Yes, I mean, but like... 
you can get a yellow. You could give a yellow card and be like, well, he said something bad to me. Oh, like the ref could absolutely oh. give a yellow card for something that's not really a yellow card that could absolutely happen. Then I might go to the ref. I thought there actually had to be an action to where, you I mean, know, the, to where it's like, hey, the player take him out or whatever and get the yellow card instead of the ref just standing there hoping something might happen with the guy who he's supposed to do it right. to, to get the money. I mean, you also could just, if you're the ref, just you know, accidentally walk in front of the player and have him bump you and you're just yes. like, yellow card. <laughs> yeah. So, because, like, on the flip side, if you went to the player, the player could be, like, fouling the hell out of people, yeah. and the ref just be like, not giving any cards today, guys. Yeah. Like, keep playing. Play on. But the the Athletic has Come a story on, on it. being sissies. And the way they wrote it insinuates it's player-driven, not referee-driven. Okay. That the player, like, that's the way it's it's written. They don't, they don't name the player, and they don't actually come out and say, hey, we think the player fixed this. But it's it's very insinuating that it was a player driven, that he intentionally was getting a yellow card. Large here. amount of money. Uh, yeah, didn't say how much, but yes, a large, uh, a suspicious amount of money was bet on a player to get a yellow card. Which I ima- I can't imagine there are large bets placed on will this player get a yellow. I was going to say yes or no. That's an interesting prop, right? It's a very <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's a very specific. It's it's very like here in Vegas, like we might have a prop like that, like for, you know, sporting events or for the Super Bowl, but there'd be like small maximums on it. Like you wouldn't be able to bet a whole bunch of money on that type of prop. Who, what, what level league was this? Premier League. Oh, it was Premier League. Arsenal. Yeah. It was Arsenal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, curious to see what actually happens here. Somebody's getting in trouble for, can you call it match fixing if you're just getting a yellow card? Yeah. It's kind of a tough one. And by the way, according to this story, prop betting in England is called spot betting. Prop right. betting is a way better word.